Uh, we are back um, with another guest today. Um, this is going to be kind of a combination interview slash video. It, it, it'll be something because uh, I want I wanted to get Coach Ramsey back on. Um, Coach has been on our channel before. His the link to his um, prior video will be in the bottom. Um, remind me how to pronounce the high school you're at. I always mess it up. Brenham. He's at uh, Burnham High School in Texas. I always mispronounce it. I always want to call it like Brenham or something. Exactly. It's like, yeah. whatever. Um, but <laughs> um, and we talked a little bit off air. You guys had had a solid season this year. Obviously, you had some difficulties with COVID. I think Batteria's had some of those this year. But overall, how was the, the year in, in hindsight? Oh, um, we preached getting better. And so for us... I felt like we got better across the board um, over the course of the year. Uh, if you take out the COVID stuff, which you, you can't, everybody's dealing with it in some capacity or another. The, the, the best thing was when we started the season, we didn't have any interruptions as a team. We got to start the season. We got to finish the season. Um, we didn't finish it how we wanted to, but pretty much that's 99% of the world. If you ain't winning the last game, I guess. Yeah. So, 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 um, it was a successful season. We grew in a lot of areas that we needed to grow. We had a lot of kids get experience that we weren't sure we're going to, uh, we're going to get that, but we're necessary because we had some kids that were out for COVID or whatever other reasons. And so, um, so that was good. So that, that helps for next year, but um, overall season was, season was successful. Good. I mean, I, I mean, that, yeah, I mean, his word is this year with all the COVID stuff, but I mean, sure. Um, but the reason I wanted to have you on, and because I kind of put a thing out for it, but I'm always curious about this because I've coached offensive defense. I have um, made a defensive playbook before when I was very young and didn't know what the hell I was doing. Uh, <laughs> um, I feel yeah, you. I've got that too. Uh, God, what was that, like 24, 25, somewhere in there? Oh. Um, but I've never made an offensive playbook from scratch. And. Mm-hmm. That's a whole different because I've looked at it. I've had buddies that done it. That's a whole different monster. Um, sure. I, I I think I think personally I think a defensive playbook is easier to put together. Um, All the defensive guys would get pissed at me if I just said, you know, if you line up on defense, that's fifty percent of the battle. But they say <laughs> it all the time to their kids. But that's the truth. If you get lined up, if you get lined up, yeah. and you feel good about how you're lined up defensively. That's half your battle because the rest of them is sick them, find the football. And, and and I've done the same. You know, I called defense at one point in time or another. And, and uh, it's funny because um, I feel like I've had this discussion slash art, not necessarily argument, but just um, when we talk about being simple on one side of the ball or the other, either way, defensively, you're going to set up who you are and yeah. that's what you're going to be. And offensively, you are as well, but it's going to match your kids. And then it depends on what you're seeing defensively as to what you can take advantage of. I'm not throwing a whole lot of four verticals versus two and four high secondaries. Um, And if that's part of your game versus a one high safety set, then it it don't make a whole lot of sense for that to be the only thing that you that you dwell on that you that you dwell on. I mean, your passing game. And so, you know, I, I like dart versus an odd. Uh, team versus power, and I like power versus an even front team. So, so you can say, okay, this is your play. But yeah. I don't want to practice all week against an odd front if we're going to see an even front. Yeah, uh, that 
you know, so so offensively, there there are definitely nuances that that. Um, well, I think you have to have more answers in your offense than you do. I think I think some of the answers on defense cover multiple things. Where as there's 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 more things you have to have answers for on offense. I mean, I've been in the wing T offense about half my wing T ish offense half my career, and I've been in spread too. But you need answers for when they take away A B C. And whether it's throwing the ball, running the ball, depending on what coverage is ran, what fronts ran, like. Or switch his game for that matter, exactly. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, so that's, I, I kind of want to pick your hand. Like, what is your, what is your, I mean, you've been at several places as a head coach and offense coordinator. Um, you've had a, a variety of successes at places. Um, what is, first of all, when you go from place to place, how much does your offense change? Or has it changed? Um, so we, you know, we do, like we, we were talking earlier and, you know, my quarterback asked me about um, us changing the offense or moving a position group or moving a position guy or whatever. And, and he was, you know, under the assumption that a lot of fans are in that, uh, that you've got a playbook and you're going to go fit guys into the playbook. And that's, that's really not it. Like, like, our playbook, and I don't even know if I'd call it a playbook. I think the only reason I call it that is because if you look at it on Huddle, that's what it calls itself. <laughs> you go to the playbook, you look at price scripts and all that stuff, right? Because I don't have, we don't have a book. I don't hand it out to kids. We don't do any of that kind yeah. of stuff. We teach what we're going to learn from a basic standpoint first, and then we find the the niches for each of those guys that fit those categories. You know, we got we have a bunch of really talented kids in the, in the skill levels, but a bunch of them play defense too, and so I can't. Um, we can't, as an offense, expect them to learn all of the things possible offensively when they're going to spend half of their time learning what they need to react to and what they need to do defensively. Um, and I would say this, if nobody gets anything out of this other than this statement, more is still more. It doesn't matter how simple it is. More is still more. So if you if you think, hey, we're, this is a really simple concept, we can still add this. It's not that difficult. No big deal. It's really, it's really an easy concept. Yeah. But if you add it to what you already have, you're still adding it. So it's like any other set of repetitions, whether it's a drill, whether it's you're doing math. If you do two plus two and you write it down however many times, but you're working on handwriting and you're going to write it, you want it to be perfect. Eventually, you're going to screw it up somewhere in there. Yeah. Maybe not the answer, but the way you write it. Just because it's more. Taking out the trash is not a difficult task, but nobody wants to do it. But yeah. if you add it to the tasks that you already have, a lot of times it doesn't get done. Why? Because it's so simple, right? You shouldn't shouldn't miss it, but we do. Um, more is still more. If, if you don't remember anything else, that to me is the biggest thing. Because when we do our game planning and such, and we put together our scripts, we set aside the section of things that are new. And new is anything from uh, one guy doing something different on a, on a play we've run for all eight weeks um, to, or a tag to a play that we've run since the beginning of time to a completely new concept. Any of those is new. So you can't say, okay, well, we're just going to add the, the slice to this and then we're going to add the dice to this. And then we're going to, so that's not really new. No, it's new. It's new. If we're, if we're running our shellfish game and we haven't run the shellfish game out of a certain formation, but we're going to run it out of this formation now, um, that's new. And so we count it as new and it, that number gets to be about five or so. And I know I'm speaking like out of turn because you don't know what we're 
talking about in terms of <laughs> analyzing what we can, but, 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 when, but if, if it gets to be about five or so, what I do on the, on the practice script is I bold, I put in bold all of those new concepts, whatever they are, the new tag, the new, whatever it is. And when I start to, to fill out the script for the week, I'll know Monday before we get out of the, before I'll know Sunday on Monday script, whether it's too much or not. And I'll tell the guys, Hey, I know we're almost done. I know that we're, we're, we're looking at this and we've decided what we want to do, but this is too much just because I can go back, look at the practice script and it gets real bold real fast in a lot of different places. If that's the case, we, we can't do it because we will fry the brains of kids. Um, <laughs> everything we, we're talking, well, you will. Everything that we do, it comes back to, um, to, I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, anybody that's been through education should be familiar with terms like chunking. Your yeah. brain works in chunks of information. And once you get past about seven, mm. everything becomes a fog for most people. So for us, we don't even go to seven. We go to about five. That's why we run about five run schemes and that's it. And we never get anywhere close to that in pretty much anything else. Like we don't have five quick games. We don't have five sprint outs, at least not going into each of the weeks, but we don't have five sprint outs at all. We, um, we don't have five big, long concepts. We don't, we don't have that many. We're really working on a block of four. And I've talked about that uh, uh, before, but that's kind of where we work. When we get to about four, that's about the, the stretch that we're going to go. And that's the limit. We're going to, we're going to work on something else or we're going to work on it out of a different formation or whatever, but we won't learn more concepts than I mean, to your point there, like also with your more is still more statement, you also need to figure out who can handle more on your out of your kids. Because some kids can handle more and some can. And like, especially with like when you start talking as a former offensive lineman myself, the, the simpler you can keep it for the, it, it, them, the better. Like if, if more of has been since I've ever, since I've coached offense. Yeah. Is that I'm adding more to those guys' plates. Yeah. They so, have to block a 6'3, 290 pound guy that craps on lightning. That ain't no good, man. Like, and, <laughs> and, and meanwhile, the guy who's trying to do it is like five foot nine, 197 pounds, and he's got to block that guy. He, with with help or without help, doesn't matter. Like, that guy's snorting when his hand is in the ground because he's ready to rip his face off. And, and nobody else on the field, like, nobody's going to argue this, but defensive backs and offensive linemen have the hardest job on a football field, mm -hmm. bar yeah. none, except maybe if you wanted to add quarterbacks because of their responsibility. Yeah, so quarterbacks, it's not the hardest job on the field, I don't believe. You froze on me? No, there you are. Um, so I, I think defensive backs and offensive linemen are. And I, I don't think that a bunch of – I think coaches would agree with that. Um, fans, maybe not, but that's who you see. So if the quarterback gets sacked, everybody's on the O-line for not blocking – Running back doesn't run. Everybody's on, uh, you know, he gets tackled for uh, no gain. They're going to blame the offensive line regardless um, of whether it was the running back's fault or not. And then DBs, if you get burnt for a touchdown, that's everybody sees it. So it doesn't matter whether you're in the right coverage or not in terms of what the fans see. If you're the guy chasing from behind, you're beat. So for us offensively, making it is all geared toward offensive line simplicity. Everything about what we do starts there first. If it's not easy for the front five, if it's not something that's simplified for the front five, we ain't doing it. Okay. Now, when you build your offense, you, so obviously you're start. I mean, 
there's some sort of base play you have. It, it might change year to year. It might not. Depends on the school and the setting. Um, how do you determine what plays go complement it? Like what what makes that decision for you as you're like okay, obviously I if if I'm running an inside scheme I need probably an outside play to complement it or a counter or etc or an RPO here. How how do you determine what that becomes as you look at stuff like that in the off season? So I think um, I think for me. Um, and maybe maybe this pigeonholes me. I'm not sure, but I've been a zone guy. I don't want to say from the beginning because I had to I had to create what it is I believed in most um, as time went on. But I think that that's the thing is as you get experience and as you work with different levels of kids, um, you see what things are universal. And so, for instance, like I'm a zone guy. If if people if you ask people, hey, what does he really hang his hat on? they would tell you zone at least to some degree and definitely in terms of speaking about it or whatever, believing in it. Um, and mostly because, you know, I was at a three, a school, which here is like 430 kids in a school. And I don't know how small that is, but it's a small school here. Um, and then I was at a 3,500 student school, uh, in a, in a six, a school in Texas and everywhere in between in college didn't matter. We had kids, like I had a line, one of them's, playing for the Giants right now. And, uh, and and that year, that his junior year, there was another kid, same size as him, that went on to play at, at Mississippi State. And our line that year was probably the best line I've ever been a part of. And they were ridiculous. Um, they were all huge. They were all strong. They worked together. They were they were bonded. They were good, good culture. And we ran the zone, and we ran it the way that we run it now. And then, but the year before that, the right tackle was like, Five, no, two years before that, the right tackle was like 5'9", 197. And I'm not, like, exaggerating. I'm probably giving him an inch and giving him a couple pounds. 5'9", 197, the left tackle was like 6'2", 212. Um, we had some bigger kids in the middle, but they weren't man-eaters. But we moved the football with those guys using the zone and so and teaching it the way that we taught it. And so if it works for every guy, from, from guys from, from that end of the spectrum to the other um, – the proof's in the pudding in terms of that. Now, as a coordinator, I've got to figure out um, what are the compliments off of that and how do I make that work for us? And so we've been triple forever. Um, I, I learned triple option from Emory Ballard, which they don't get any better than that, in my opinion. But I was, I mean, I'm biased. Um, but he created the wishbone. Uh, UT won national championship and freaking <laughs> Bear Bryant went down and got all the stuff from him the next week, you know, the, the week yeah. after the season was over with. So um, anyway, but I, so I was a real student of the game and I was playing for him and knew all the rules. My brother was his last quarterback um, before he passed. And so it, anyway, my point is we started with triple and now we've just developed from that to a lot of, uh, to what today's formations look like, but the principles are the same in terms of this is your give key. This is your pitch key this is what you have to do to make that gig key do whatever it's going to do. And the pitch looks different. It may be a, a crawfish, which is our version of the bubble. It may be a bubble. It may be uh, a hitch from the slot receiver, but that's your pitch guy. But from here, from the give perspective, it's quarterback getting up in there, making that C-gap defender or the C, whatever's in that C-gap move to either take the back or not take the back, and that makes you determine what's going on. And so for me, I'd say I'm a zone guy. Um, how do you determine what the what – the, the, nuances of it are or the, the adjustments to me it's about your kids it's 
that's a long drawn out way to say it depends on who you have. And so you got to find that out. You got some ideas. Um, you know, when you're working with your kids in the off season, you know who the guys are that are quick, you know who the guys are that are going to be able to invest in being just offensive guys and those who are going to have to play both sides, you know, um, who has a tendency to be disciplined and who doesn't and those kind of things. And so where do those fit in the offense and, and do you need to adjust it from there? Um, in the last probably eight years or so, I've used that H-back type guy a lot. Uh, when we first started, I had a couple of those guys who could move out to the slot and it not affect anything. Last couple of years, that ain't been the case. I've got some bigger guys like fullback types that are playing that position. So we've had to switch personnels in order to get that guy to be part of things. I don't know if we're going to have the H or not this this next year. We may be full wide all the time. We may be more empty. We ran more empty this year than we have in the last few. It depends on who your kids are. But in terms of what the schemes are, um, we've got a set of four or five. We try to use those first, but we have some guys on staff who have some experience in other things. Like, for instance, we run – Zone, we run stretch, we run dart, and we run power. Those are our block of four from a run game perspective. That's what we use. Um, we have, I've run speed option in the past, so that's something that we have tinkered with, but we never really felt like we got. We got some guys who run, I've run some GH. We've run some GH uh, counter stuff because of the H guy that we've had. If we don't have that guy, that don't help us any, and, and I'm not sure how great a job we've done. Plus, you got to, you got to, you have to, um, for your staff, you have to fully believe in what it is you're doing as well. For me, I like teaching pull in a certain way. I'm not a skip pull guy. And I think that that pull works for power and works for, for, for counter um, because of the way we teach it, in my opinion. And so we work it that way, but we haven't been great at GH. Um, we haven't been great at GT. And so we haven't run GT. Um, I've done it in the past, but we haven't been, we haven't had the kids to do it either, but uh, and that's the thing. We haven't had the kids that successfully, when they come around, can tell the difference of what's happening and they log the guy or they kick the guy um, or have grasped the technique long enough to do that. And I think what it comes down to is not even necessarily the kids so much as what we're willing to budget in the way of practice to gain in the way of a game. Okay. If you don't have the time, because you're, because you're vested in zone, because it brings so many whatever it is you're doing brings benefit. Like I think we ran zone this year. I don't know. I, I would be making it up, but I know I have it analyzed and I could look it up and see, but we ran it so much, but it was with a bazillion variations and that's why. Well, so they're worth so much yardage wise, score wise, moving the football. Do you, do you cut that? because you're going to add GT or, or do you, because you only do so much during a practice. Um, you've got a time limit and you want to have enough repetitions. You're going to be good at it. And we don't want to be mediocre at a bunch of things. We want to be great at the stuff we're doing. So um, I think you got to weigh all of those options. And again, put some limitations on yourself. So like I said, we're, we're pretty much a block of four group, whatever concepts you're talking about, screens, run game, quick game, deep, whatever it is. Um, we're going to stay with that block of four, and if it gets to where it's on the edges of that, we don't we don't go beyond it. So and it, and it matches what your kids can do. Um, that changes it. Yeah, good. Oh no, no, I agree. And that was a fantastic. And um, my next question is, how do you determine verbiage? 
Um, so for me, we used to be number. I've been around guys who've done numbers and all that other kind of stuff when I was in um, high school. Wishbone stuff was we didn't run. We ran one formation. Well, the, the first couple of years we ran multiple formations because he had the bone and then he broke the bone up and did a bunch of different things. But um, my senior year, we were straight up double wide, full house wishbone backfield, and it was 13, 14, 64, 49. Like, that was it. Those were the numbers, and that was it. There might be a tag after the end because it was a pass or something like that, but that was it. But what I what I found over the course of years, and we didn't stay with numbers for very long, um, is that kids remember words better. And so we package things in families. So, for instance, um, uh, all of your runs may be cities or NFL teams or whatever. Um, we've been places where uh, the, the the city of an NFL team was the run to the left and the mascot was the run to the right. So we didn't even call left and right. Um, and I think it just depends. You know, I, I went from a certain place. When I got here, I left the job that we played those guys the next year. It wasn't set that way first, but when I got there, all of a sudden he schedules them and I'm going, oh, crap. So, um, so I switched some of the verbiage just because the other kids would know what it was, but I'm not a big, I'm not a big, uh, conspiracy theorist on all that either. I, I, kids have come back to us multiple times. They come out of the huddle. We just scored a touchdown and they're going, Hey, they're calling out the plays. Hey, you know what? They didn't stop it. We just scored again. Go fast. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, so we don't, um, so it just depends, but I like to keep things in family. So for instance, we call our shellfish game. That is all of our tags off of. Uh, run game stuff. It's our uncovered RPO stuff. So where we would run a crawfish or fake the crawfish and throw the bomb or uh, what we call a pearl, which is a now screen. Um, or I mean, a, a oyster, which is a now screen or a pearl, which is a fake the now screen and throw the slot fade. Um, things like that. We call that a show. Those are shellfish. So it's uh, crawfish, lobster, oyster, pearl, um, crab, shrimp, all of the shellfish, they have a certain reason for what they are. Um, We'll, we'll use, uh, we used to use Bible characters as all of our 500 passes. Um, and we'd try to tag it up with why they were. So, so for instance, we used Adam at one point because he was the first man. So the first concept we taught was vertical. So Adam was vertical routes. Does that make sense? Yeah. Somehow we used the seven degrees to Kevin Bacon to make them all attached to something. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> that makes sense? Yeah, that, that makes sense. sense. So... Oh. Well, I only use that because they you know, it was a long time ago. Anyway, I guess you got to be an old guy to understand what that means. But anyway, so, so we try to make it attach itself to those kids somehow. And then once we've got a concept of them, um, then we can tag on to it. For instance, you know, we called it crawfish because the kids run this bubble version. They just back up. Well, if they're, um, if they're backing up, they look like a crawfish. That's how a crawfish walks. That's why it got called crawfish. Well, so why did you call it lobster? Well, because if you take two crawfish, what's a big crawfish? A lobster. So if we're going crawfish, but we're going big ball, that's a lobster. That's where they come from. And so there's that. There's kids. When kids, when we let kids take ownership of it, it's even better. Yeah. Most of the time, we try to get the kids to give us the signals. Because then we know they can't give me that bullcrap excuse of, I was across the field, I didn't see. Nah, man, you came up with the signal, so you know you can see it. Because you came <laughs> up with it. So, don't give me that garbage. So, um... So that's, you know, that's kind of, I don't know if that answers the question totally, but that's kind of where we come from. Yeah, that, we try to keep it in families. Um, we do some little things where we signal some stuff on run and pass 
you're going to get this certain signal from us, whether it's run or pass doesn't matter, but that that's a way you can't tell whether it's run or pass, if that makes sense. That does. Now, my, and we hit on the run game, but how do you, what about your pass game? Like when you're looking at putting that together each year, obviously your quarterback will determine a lot of it on what he physically can and can't do in terms of arm strength, accuracy, right. his ability to functionally read a defense. Um, how much does that morph year to year? Um, and then how, how did you, I mean, you're, you're a big zone guy, but how did you come to where you are in your pass game? Is it, I want two or three answers for each coverage that I know I'm going to see next year? Is it, I have these set things I'm really confident in that I really like, and they answer a lot of issues. How did you determine where you're at there? I think, um, so so having grown up with Coach Ballard in high school, when I got to college, I worked for, um, I played for and worked for Steve Kazor, who was uh, the assistant O-line coach at Detroit. He was also the special teams coordinator for the 85 Bears. He was with Ditka from oh, the time they left Dallas until they were done. And so, so and that guy, I mean, I love him to death as well. Um, but I, I kind of, that's where I learned passing game. Uh, the stuff that Peyton Manning um, did with Indianapolis was because when Tom Moore developed it in Detroit, they took it to Indianapolis and that's what they developed together. So coach Kayser had worked with them in Detroit or with him in Detroit with Tom Moore. And that's where they, they came up with passing game. So I, I learned a lot of what I know from there first and then have developed it over the years of what things we might be able to take advantage of based on what it is we do. Um, I can tell you this, we can't throw a slant flat for to save my life. And I don't know, I, I'm totally convinced it's me and being able to teach it. I'm totally convinced. Our guys keep telling me, no, coach is not, sorry, whatever. But I haven't been able to do it for 20 years, so why the hell? Like, <laughs> we just, we put it in, in seven on seven off season, and every year when we get to the fall, something happens, and I'm like, damn it, I'm not doing it again. So, um, so like, we'll, we'll run hitches, we'll run a, I think for us, it's a matter of having an answer that's good for us. So how can I create layups for the quarterback first? Which is the easiest route to throw. Outside of our tags, outside of throwing a crawfish, because you can throw it pre-snap and know you're good. If I can throw a hitch, that's a layup. If I can create as many layups as possible, that's what I'm trying to do. So hitches, those are good. Slants are second best, in my opinion, in terms of being able to get those. And then for us... What's been most efficient for me over 20 years is a fade flat combination, uh, mostly the three by one, but you can do it anywhere because it tags, that becomes a live RPO. Um, and it's a, it's a very efficient live RPO. Uh, it becomes a crossing route. And if you get, uh, if you get man coverages, you get a crosser in it with a three by one. Yeah. Uh, crosser ish, the two, the two routes collide or whatever. Um, so for us, it's an outside fade inside. We call it a hole cause it's an eight yard route. It's basically a snag, but switched or swapped, what we call swapped. Um, so instead of the outside receiver going, okay, so, and I have no idea what this is going to be on, but that's okay. So we run vertical. Oh, this was if we were in three by one to the right, and there's your flat. Yeah. So there's your crossing scenario right here. And then what normally, and all that is, is snag swap. So there's your snag guy. Yep. There's your what would be a corner or some guys run it with it. We like the slot fade and there's your flat. So it's that same version. You just swap the outside two routes. And we use swap as a term that we use, which is if we're running a route concept, say we learn this 
this, um, we learn what we call, this is our four route. So if, if we learn four, then we go, hey, we run four swap. And then they just go where they go. Um, that's another thing that we do to try to simplify is that we don't teach first receiver, second receiver, third receiver in terms of learning your route. If I'm a, so this, for us, this would be trio. And these would be where these guys line up. And so to get this, we could just line up and flop. Oh. Which also is an O because it's trio flop. To get this, we just line up in this formation. And so he wouldn't, and actually he wouldn't run um, this, he would run a fade from that position, but you go where you go. So he would, oh, cool. Um, way better at that than I thought it was. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Race. So he would actually run, oh, come on now. So he would actually run this as a slot fade, get where you go. And that's what it would look like. So to a defense, we lined up and still three by one, it's still a three by one formation. But for us, we just called four again. There's nothing about that that changes and you get a totally different look. So we go trio four versus flop four and that's what you get. So, so I think, um, like I know this gets off and we're starting to talk X's and O's, but I think this goes back to what we were talking about in terms of simplicity. I think the way that we teach helps it be simple for a lot of different dudes um, because we're not having to call this concept something different. All we did was switch the formation and then we teach our guys to go where you go. So now the Y doesn't have to learn to run a whole route. He's still running a fade route. He's just running it from a different spot. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I know if I'm the Y, this is what I do on this concept. I know if I'm the Z, this is what I do on this concept. It limits us sometimes when we get into some exotic formations, but not most of the time. And that's what we try to hammer out when we're planning over yeah. a weekend and we say, hey, you know, this formation really works great for this. But what's our pass going to be off of this and what's going to fit best for the kids and what's going to work best against the defense. So I think this is one of those things that simplicity wise really helps us when we're creating playbook um, for, for our kids. Now, when, when you're looking to add stuff to your offense, where do you look? How do you find it? Like, What's that process? What's that process of potentially adding stuff? Not necessarily like a tag or something in season, but I'm talking out of the season. Like, what does that full process look like? So I record. I didn't used to do this, and I don't watch the 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 films like religiously. I had a, a coordinator friend of mine who I love to death. We still talk all the time. Matter of fact, this year I tried something different, and just because we lost, I may not do it again. But I really liked the idea. Um, when we got to the end of the season, every three games, I self-scout. So we go back, we run reports off of everything that we've put in, which requires our guys that do all the input, myself included, um, to be real meticulous. So we can't put D-O-U-B-L-E-S for doubles one time and then D-B-L-S the next time because it becomes something different when you're running your reports. So a little tip for you guys, are if the guy's putting stuff in, make sure they're putting it the same. Um, and then put a play, if you're going to put play variation, so you know and you can tell what the hell that is. Because I could tell you that zone was worth a certain number of yards. Um, but if I put a play variation on it every time, then zone's only going to be worth a certain number of yards, but it's only going to be run a few times. Every variation underneath that, then you've got to analyze that as, as its own entity, and that doesn't work for me. So it may work for you, but it doesn't work for me. So when we're trying to find concepts couple of things that we do one i record a lot of games um 
I just put record on ESPN for whatever freaking college game is going on, and I'll I'll watch it or not watch it depending on who it is or how close the game was. Um, I like watching some of the smaller mid majors and things like that if we can get them because those guys have to coach like we do. And, and I, it's not an insult to D1 guys, but the bottom line is if you're a D1 guy and you got an offer to a kid, most of the time you're going to get a kid that fits that bill that you're trying to offer. You get to pick your kids. Uh, D3 guy, a lot of those guys are getting what they can get. Um, and a high school guy, you got what you got. Now, I would say, <laughs> without getting off on a tangent in terms of recruiting and stuff, I know that that crap goes on all over the place high school-wise, and I don't like it. You're beating the small town, you're beating a lot of kids, and you're not learning a lot of things. Um, but nobody likes to lose, so I understand that that stuff happens. And um, to me, I'd just rather be the fighter. I would rather be at a place where I can create tradition than to necessarily just fall into it. Um that's just me. I chose it when I went to college, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, uh, point being, um, we take, I record a lot of games and things that I look at, but it may not be the big score play. Um, it may be one of those things where they get a first down on something and they're in a formation that I've not seen before. Um, but all of our guys offensively bring that stuff to the office at any point in time. We'll go, you know, there's the traditional clinic route. Um, there's, uh, for me, lately, probably the last seven years or so, I stopped spending money on sending guys to clinics. So if you want to go to clinics, really, it's a networking thing. So I agree. And I'll pay for, when I was a head coach, I'll pay for either the stay or I'll pay for the, the fee for the clinic. But I won't pay for both. Because if you want to go, I think you got to invest something. Um especially if you're going to go because you're going to go network, which means you're going to go drink beer. You may write on napkins, which to me is the best time that you get out of that in terms of learning stuff, learning new concepts is when you're with a staff and you're sharing intimate stuff about what well, I say intimate. That's not a word you use at a freaking football clinic, but whatever. <laughs> so you're sharing the details, you know what I'm saying? You're sharing the details of what it is, you, the, the, the guts of what it is you're doing. Not the the clinic show stuff that you put that some GA put on a on a on a slideshow. We're sharing. This is how we change. This is how we train the nuance of this. When we teach the zone, this is what we teach. This is the verbiage we teach. This is why we teach it. Then you get up and you're in a hotel room and you're writing. You've got a freaking dry erase marker on the mirror and you're doing that. That's to me. That's where you learn the most. And so what we started doing was taking day trips. Like I would drive three and four hours. We'd get up at five, four o'clock in the morning drive four hours to Marshall, Texas to meet with, uh, what's Scotty's last name? The guy at, uh, Southern Miss. Oh, uh, Walden. Yes. So we went to, with him when he was at East Texas, East Texas Baptist, we just got up at four and said, you know what, we're going to go learn some offense. Let's go check this guy out. Cause they're one small school and two ripping people's faces off offensively. So let's go check it out. So we went and talked to that guy and just all day and they took us to lunch, which was awesome, but that wasn't an ex- expectation. Um, it was more bonding time for our guys, more detailed time for the, for all of our guys and them. Um, it got us to a Texas college that we could promote for our kids. If we felt like those guys were solid guys, uh, we just got a lot more out of it than going to a clinic where you might see guys that you had that were friends, but you're sitting in a clinic and we're not like, we're sitting next to each other. We're not sharing. You, you and I are sitting next to each other. We're at a clinic. We're watching this guy give us tidbits. And that's not bad, but to me, the better is the stuff that I can use when I've got the tidbits, and then I can take that, and how do I how do I make that fit what we do with our guys? Well, wow, this kid we have, if we added this position this way, this guy would really fit that bill 
wonder what we could do with that in within the offense. And so that's kind of, you know, it, that's a long way around, I guess, or, a, or a, a, it's not a pointed answer, but, but we get ideas from a number of different places. Touchdown we scored in the playoff game that we lost, but the, the one that we scored to tie the game up with came from a University of Texas uh, film that I had recorded and I watched the game and I saw it and I was like, oh crap, he's like, how did that happen? What formation? Oh, that's why, because they're in this coverage and this deal and whatever. And actually we scored off of what we created as the, our version of that, because it wasn't exactly the same. We lined up in the formation, we motioned the same, and then what happened in the game was such and such. But we created what the counter was off of that, and when we ran the play, we had never run it before, hadn't been in the formation the entire year. But the counter that we created, so the read for the quarterback that we created, and the protection, because the play that we got off film, uh, the quarterback gets smoked for throwing this ball. We created a protection that that wasn't going to happen. Um, and it's still a five-man protection, but the, it's a protection we use, and we really like it. And so he was able to – everything that we did on the front end moved guys away that they couldn't blitz from that edge. They had to bring it from this other side. When they did, they covered the guy that, that Texas threw, and so we had counter two counter routes that were coming outside of that. So that if that happened, you could look to there, and that's how we scored the touchdown. But it all came from us just bringing ideas – Matter of fact, if you look, um, I think I've got this on here, but so the playbook has got like 3,000 plays in it or whatever. It really doesn't. It has probably 2,000 or something like that, which I know you're going, yeah, coach, but you're still talking about thousands of plays. So what happened was when I was at the school before this one, I was in an ISS classroom. I had a buttload of time to put a bunch of stuff down. The thing about it is I have not gone back through that. I was able to export it to a new huddle account or whatever. But the thing about it is, is that um, this one, I never went back and simplified. So like some of this stuff is doubled up because it was called the stuff that I called it at that old school. But now we run the same play, but it's called something different. So both of those are in there, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then all the things that we've added since then. Or the thing about, and this is one of the things, I don't know how you how you would fix it in huddle, but if you put something in against the 3-4 and then a 4-3 and then a certain team's 4-3, and then a, so if the defense changes, it's another play. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So as much as there's 3,500, there's not 3,500 plays in here. Um, so you notice this category right here. Yeah. Experiments. So our install for experiments has 20 plays in it, all of which we've talked about or gotten to or whatever and said, hey, you know what? Let's put this in here and let's just – I'll tag it like what we might tag it, and then we'll see. Maybe we'll run this at some point in time. Maybe we can fit this in in a game plan or whatever and, and – uh, maybe it'll fit the guys that we have for a certain set. So we've got different things that are that are in there, and we've got a whole set of them that we go through sometimes. And you know what I do with our uh, with our freshman coaches, or even JV coaches for that matter, is I set this folder up so that I can say, okay, you know what? Let's let these guys mess with some of this and kind of be the, the testing ground. Because we don't do – we. We personally don't do spring ball here. We just don't. We got so many kids that play other sports. They're playing baseball or whatever else. Yeah. And so we set up this install to put experimental stuff in there, and then the JV and the freshman guys might run it um, just to see what they can get out of it or just to have their own identity so they don't have to be stuck in four-block world all the time. The kids get a little excited about it. All right. And then my next question is, how? because you, you've been to a couple different places, and um, you've had to teach – 
staff members, your system, or the system. Couple is Jake. Um, so how how's that process work for you? A couple is. <laughs> how's that how's that process work for you in terms of teaching the staff and um, especially new staff or at a new location? How does that process work of matching verbiage and teaching your stuff to them? Oh, I don't know that I've mastered that. <laughs> I think that's one of the things that I continue to work on. Um, you know, we had a, a, when I got here, what I tend to do is invest a lot of time in the offensive line. First, with the offensive line, and I let the guys, like I talked to them about what it was we were doing, but I didn't get too technical with what that looked like for those other positions, including even quarterbacks, because those guys can adjust, I think. For me, the key to everything we do offensively, what we do, is the offensive line. The verbiage, the drills, the uh, – I don't do just a, just a ton of on-body work. We do a lot of work where there's nobody in front of us, um, and that work's pretty important. Uh, so I, I tend to invest a lot of time with the offensive line first, which makes being an offensive line coach for me probably the – hardest job um, on the staff, I would I would venture to say. Um, unless you're just good enough uh, and you can prove it to me, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, because I know whatever, and I know the technique works because we've taught it. Um, but I've been, been uh, blessed enough as a head coaching way to be two places where the guys that were in those positions, there were two guys in particular, including the guy I'm working with right now that are that are fantastic at learning that and then just being veterans and knowing that they're probably going to get a bunch of they didn't deserve at some point in time. And then I'm going to have to go back and apologize and stop being a jerk. Um, but I'm too simplistic, but that's really where we start. Yeah. But then I also asked for time. But when I got here, we had a couple of nights where I bought hamburgers and stuff or whatever else for the guys to eat dinner. And we spend an extra hour and a half in the spring when guys were done with baseball practice or whatever kind of thing. And I, and I try to be like, I don't want to go over an hour and a half. And I want to ask them to ask more questions. Really, that's up to those guys, though, because um, you know, I think we got better as a staff here the first year I was here in the fall simply because everybody was amped about going doing football stuff. Um, and before that, the the – there was a lot of, uh, just like there always is when you switch staffs, there was a lot of, not animosity, That's not, it wasn't negative, it was just tension. Does that make sense? Yeah. So there was a lot of uncertainty. Were people going to move? Were people not going to move? Who is selling yourself wholeheartedly into something like that when you've been to a place for six years or 10 years or 20 years, some of the guys have been here. That's hard. That's hard. You, you've invested a lot of life in uh, time is life and so when when you've invested six years or 10 years or 20 years in a place it's hard to shift what your thought process is for what your offense is going to be your defense is going to be or even what your culture is going to be and so trying to trying to take into account the knowing having been through that myself just just understanding what those guys are going through um, and and not exhausting myself or them on the concepts um to try to grind through it automatically. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
That makes 100% sense. Like, we're not going to go in and I'm going to teach you offense and this is the way it's going to be and that's it. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm not just going to pound on it, especially when I first come in. I'm going to find out who these guys are, where they're going to fit best. Let's try to teach them all of it and say, this guy, he was teaching receivers, but, you know, he may be better off as a running backs guy because I got to keep my eye on him. Or a running backs guy because I can send him to do something or I can leave him with them, the running backs and the quarterbacks, and I can go work with the offensive line to make sure they're getting what it is, you know, that kind of thing. So to me, it's about, it's about assessing personnel we can get the scheme and stuff, scheme stuff later. Assessing personnel and teaching offensive line vocabulary and and uh, um, and drill set. Okay. All right. Now, um, and then my last question for you, uh, as we wrap this up, so we don't make this sixteen hours long. Um, and I know you got stuff to do today, and so do I, because um, you've been a head coach before. <laughs> um, when you are looking for staff members that would fit into what you do, what does that process look at look like? I, I think, um, so for me, it's about, uh, it's about, I have an ideal that I, take into head coaching interviews and I believe in it. Um, when I, when I first was looking, I say first, I feel like I've always been looking for a head coaching job. Like I was head coaching worthy, even when I first came out and when I first came out, I, I got done with college and what an idiot, like I would have been terrible for the first, I don't know, 10 year time as a head coach. But, um, for me, I have an ideal of what that staff should look like. Does that make sense? And so, and I, and I have that ideal and I put it together in your head coaching packets, you know, guys do this all the time and, and some guys don't do it. So when I was trying to learn um, what it is, was the best thing, what, what it would be, would be the best, what would be the best thing I could put into this packet? I'm, I'm shuffling information. I'm taking clinic stuff. I remember Ralph Friedgen talking about uh, when he was going to Maryland, when he took the Maryland head coaching job and he was speaking at a clinic, I think AFCA. And I was, and I was listening to him. He was talking about how, when he was an assistant, knowing he was going to be a head coach at some point in time, he would write down names of guys that he felt like he absolutely had to have and what it was the position that guy would have to be in and all that kind of stuff. And I really took that to heart, but not so much from the, from the um, financial standpoint, but what it was going to take to get a guy who I believed in, who I knew, who I seen do certain work, who, um, and, and as much as if I had at least the ideal to begin with, then I could go from there based on where I was at. Cause I had to do that the first year, the first day coaching job I got. Um, I got there thinking I was going to go in and, and, and have what I call pink slip power and be able to say, you guys got to go. Um, and I don't know that I had it. And if I did, I didn't use it and I wasn't willing to use it right off the bat because I got to know those guys so fast. Um, but also I had salary limitations here. I was coming from the Houston area where they were paying, let's say it's 50. I don't know what it was at the time, but let's say it was 50,000 for a starting teacher salary. Um, and in Waco, it wasn't that. It was like 38 or something like that. So you're looking at a 10 grand, 12 grand pay cut off the bat, off the top for whoever was coming over there. That's without any of your stipends or any of that kind of stuff. 
So even if you got a guy on a that's going to get a raise from a stipend standpoint or a position standpoint, you may take a pay cut because that's just what your district pays. Um, and so you have to, there's a lot to be, to be balanced in all of those things. I think, um, but again, having the ideal was being able to get, for me in hiring people, it was get good people and then coach them up. It, whether they had as much experience as you needed or not, that can be wavered, depends on what you got in the way of a staff now, because they're gonna have to fit in that staff. Um, and they're going to have to work in that staff and figure out whether they got a big enough personality to fit into that tight group or, or if your group's not tight, is this guy going to be the guy that glues them together or what has he done in the past with other guys that you know and, and talking to those guys and what they, when they've worked for you. I hired a couple of guys that were off of recommendation from, from other guys that I knew, but I didn't know those guys well enough. I can tell you that because they were some, there were some hires that were not very good. Um, yeah. But then there were some hires that were rock stars. Yeah, I think too in a high school level. At the high school level in Texas, we all we all teach like you can't coach here and not be a part of the staff of the school. So we don't have plumbers and lawyers and doing coaching on the side because it's you know whatever. Here it's you're an educator, and so for me, in our in our state, it was it was really important for me that the guy was a good teacher. He didn't come over here from someplace where he was a roll the book out, complete the page, you know, complete the questions at the bottom of page 36 if you read it and that's it. And that's all he would do during the day and sit on the computer the rest of the time. Like our guys had to get up and teach. Um, Cause for me, they're the same people. You didn't get into, you may not have got into coaching because you wanted to teach, you may have got into teaching because you wanted to coach. But the truth of the matter is if you're a good football coach, you damn sure have the ability to be a good teacher. Yeah. You have to. You have to, because you're teaching offensive linemen to kick slide. They don't come out of the womb kick slide. People can teach them how to crawl and then walk. They, so you have to be a good teacher. Does that make sense? Yeah. You don't, oh, yeah. you don't come out of the womb with your hands here in a certain position or crossed or whatever it is for a receiver. They don't come out of that. You've got to be a good teacher. Yeah. From the football standpoint, I think you got to be a good motivator too. But how about the, the teacher who's in the geometry class who's teaching a kid who could give two craps about what a triangle is or a rectangle or or what the angles are, angle side, side, or trying to prove anything. They don't care about that. But you get that guy to do it anyway. That's a motivator. That, that, I mean, we, we got a buttload to learn from teachers, and teachers can, can get a buttload to learn from kid, from coaches about, about relationships, in my opinion. And I think that we're the same job. And I think too often, um, too often it's a, there's a, an animosity between the two that, that shouldn't be there. So, so, to wrap that into the answer of the question is that's the reason I looked for good teachers as well is because it made my job a lot easier and theirs. Cause when they got there, um, they knew how to talk to the folks who they were going to be working with the majority of the day. Yeah. When they're when they're in their history meetings or when they're in the next door to a class where they're teaching history with this other, fo these other folks, they can share ideas back and forth. That's going to be really good when you come to, to coaching to to the coaching side because coaching is why you got in the first place. Great. Then if you can make the teaching side great, then nobody wants to go anywhere. So that's perfect. That's what you want. And then I think the last thing I would say is in just an overall thought process in terms of hiring was I wanted to create a place where um, where everybody, where, where I had ambitious dudes who want to who want to grow and want to learn, but I want to make it really hard for them to leave. 
Does that make sense? Where they come to love it and they come to a place where they can be ambitious, where I can be a coordinator that wants to be a head coach, where I can be a position coach that wants to be a coordinator, and I want to get those jobs, but I want to make it real. So we did a number of things as a staff that, that kind of built those things. We tried to um, – I, I used my house as a gathering place after home games, every place that I've ever been. Um, that's been really important because you, you'll know who's in the – you know who's in the tribe when – when you win a game and guys come over, but when you lose a game and guys come over still. Exactly. You know that your tribe is solid or not, or who's in it, who's not, that kind of thing. And that's tough, too, because my place wasn't – in a couple of different situations, um, when I was in Tomball, my place was 20 minutes from the school, so it wasn't like it was just down the road. In Waco, we were two minutes from the school, so that was different, but still. I just the, – the building a culture that's impressed – we invest so much time in these kids and with these guys to invest in the kids. I think it's too important for us to be family and to understand that. Um, and that's kind of where we started with staff was that this is going to be a family. The wives got together. I, I made sure that there was some way that we would pay for wives shirts to be the same. Um, where I, when I was a head coach, I just felt like it was too important so that when they're sitting in the stands, they've got allies yeah. um, and they're built in allies. Instead of having to listen to the garbage fans and just feel like they paid their tickets so they can bitch it, whatever. Yeah. Um, I just feel like it's too important because those people are the people who pay the price. My kids, football season comes around. My wife puts a funny sign up. This is football season. Um, we interrupt this marriage for football season. And so that sign goes up, but it, it's real. Like those are the folks who sacrifice. My wife and kids are in there now wondering when the hell am I going to finish this? <laughs> but, um, but I think that that's that's what's important is that culture that you're building family around with the staff. Yeah, I agree 100%. And I, I think we probably go under two hours chit-chatting like this. Um, but again, your wife might kill you. And, Easy money. Uh, <laughs> and and yep. like, I, I have a couple other things to get done today, so I'm going to wrap that this up. That would be the end of them. That would be good. Oh, I know. Hey, and we'll, you know we'll connect again. And Sounds good. So... Uh, coaches, please, his contact information will be below. Please reach out to him, whether you're listening to this on one of the podcast apps, whether you're on my YouTube channel. Details are below. His Twitter, how to get a hold of him. Coach is great. He'll get back to you immediately. Um, absolutely fantastic. He just helped me with the whole other thing before we came on here anyways as well. So, um, Coach, I appreciate it. You stay safe. You stay healthy, sir.